Jimmy Smith, goes for the shot in the back of the net. Keep your eye on goal of the day. That's got to be a contender early on. He takes the right for the shot. Oh, my goodness me! And you would, as a Crawley fan, begin to believe the three points are yours. It's the best night of Crawley Town's lives. And there may be more to come. Hello and welcome to episode three of the Straight Red Podcast. Myself and Jonathan here with you. Thank you once again very much for listening. As ever, we've got match reviews coming up for you. What matches are coming to the Broadfield and away coming up soon. Broadfield buzz, what's happening outside of football around the ground. Are you ready? Our quite popular quiz from episode two is back. We'll have highlights of the week and in added time, we'll talk about what else is happening around the club and around your thoughts. But most importantly, episode three, our first ever live phone-in interview with the one and only Sergio Torres. He'll be joining us later in the show. We're really starting at the top, but let's get underway. Right, Jonathan, we usually start section one with match reviews, but something a lot more important has happened over the last few weeks since episode two, hasn't it? Harry Kewell, Gabriel Chioffi, discuss. Yes, well, quite a lot has happened. Obviously... Reds fans will be fully aware of the fact that Harry Kuehl has left the club and that we now have a, a new manager, Che Offie. But where I want to start this little segment on is the two men who I think have done really, really hard work in between the two managers leaving and joining. And that's Felipe and Jimmy. Obviously, they're not in charge anymore, but I spoke to Felipe last week after the Spurs game when he discussed, very professionally, I have to say, how he was finding his chance in management and the mentality of the team which has been very positive. You've got to say, as well, in all their interviews before and after games, they look really, really comfortable in that role as well. Um, no hesitation whatsoever. They look absolutely fab and, they, and they've done a wonderful job. Yes, and, well, Felipe has made it fully known that he would love to go into management. Earlier on, he did say to me that he would love to go into managerial uh, job somewhere in football uh, later on in his career. But at the moment, he wants to help Crawley on the pitch, which is always great to hear. And basically, I'm still going to play this clip of the interview to you because I think that Marias really does show some really good qualities that I think it'll be great for everyone to hear. He's very professional and also most, most of all is that he's really got a big heart for the club. Um, but anyway, have a listen and see what you make of it. Um, did Harry leaving at the point when he did, did that catch you or take you by surprise? Were you guys expecting that to, to sort of happen within the week that he managed to talk to Notts County with? Well, once there was rumours, obviously everyone was aware that it was a possibility, um, but you never know. You know, he was linked, I think, with a job last season with Charlton, and I think he didn't go, he didn't go in the end, obviously. So um, the lads didn't know. No one was aware he was going to go. Uh, when he went, of course, it was a big shock to the, to the boys. Um, because he brought a lot of players in. So having to pick the lads up was my biggest task, really, initially. Uh, getting them bubbling again and getting them vibrant and happy and confident uh, is obviously a big task. And um, yeah, I think all the staff and, and everyone behind the scenes at the club can be really proud for what they've done so far. I think we've kept the integrity of the club uh, intact and shown real good professionalism. And I think that's a credit to everyone behind the scenes. So that's brilliant. And going back to that moment when you were asked by the owners to, to manage the team, mm -hmm. what were your sort of thoughts and initial thoughts and feelings? Uh, my thoughts and feelings straight away were, it's my character. I just take, uh, take it head on, you know. Um, I'm a confident person. It's something I've done before in terms of coaching. I have coached before and I'm really glad it's something I got into at an early age and early in my career. And I've done my badges, still got some to do. 
So I've got some experience there. It wasn't daunting for me. Um, when you're dealing with your teammates, you know, sometimes it can be a little bit awkward, but you can't look at it that way. All the lads appreciate the sort of position I'm in and they've been absolutely excellent and that's made it a lot easier, really. Um, long term, can it work? I don't believe it can because uh, if I need to go back to playing, it, it becomes very difficult. Um, so, you know, we need a manager in, that's for sure. Um, but it's, it stands me in good stead for the future. It's something I really want to do in the future. You, you want to obviously help Crawley on the pitch as well. Is it difficult for you to be in this player-manager sort of role? And do the, I guess, the, the rest of the team, do they give you the respect that you, that you need to be able to carry out it and actually say, I'm going to be in the team today, even though you're the manager? Yeah, well, I think um, the proof's in the pudding. I think you can see with the player's reaction whether I've got respect or not. Um, we've managed, I think, very, very well in the conditions that we've been put in. Uh, behind the scenes, a lot of things you have to deal with. The injuries pop up, training ground, what we're hunting for every day. There's a lot of things people don't see. You only see the match day. Mm. And, and then on match day, we're well organised. We, we're doing all doing our jobs. Everyone knows their roles. So I think that proves whether the lads uh, respect me and the staff or not. I think you can see they do. And um, thankfully, as I said, the group is one that has great character and, and really good attitude, and I've not had any problems like that, which is fantastic. It sounds like you're enjoying it, but I guess you would want a permanent manager to be named pretty soon? Yeah, of course, we want a manager in as soon as possible because um, as much as the lads have been great, they do appreciate it. It's difficult for me, and, and I am a player at the end of the day, and I, I feel I can help the team a lot in the season on the pitch and I think that's got to be the main focus and it is very difficult for me personally to produce on the pitch whilst doing this role because there's so much to consider you've got every player's livelihoods really and their their reputations in your hands and you need to take that very seriously and you go home and you're constantly thinking I've had long long sleepless nights already you know late nights early mornings the day just seems to never end because you've got to play as well and you've got to do those duties and then you've got to manage. So it's difficult, but I've managed it so far and it's something I, I'm striving to, to do as best as I can for the owners and for the, and for the boys. Uh, I'm trying my hardest for them and I think they appreciate that and we just carry on until told otherwise, hopefully sooner rather than later. Well, two things that I thought particularly oozed from Marius's chat there was professionalism and love. And uh, it's always great to to see as a Crawley fan, someone who is in charge of your club, albeit for a very short period of time, that they have a big love for the club and they have their best interests at heart. Now, someone who had, le had less love for the club. Yeah, <laughs> arguably, Ewan, because th this is something that has caused a lot of talking points, hasn't it? Harry Kill's departure. It's upset a lot of people, and I'm, I'm going to try and make devil's advocate and, and, and do both sides of this story. The way he left the club wasn't great. I think that was really, really clear. It's actually upset a lot of people. Um, so what were the details of, of him, his departure? Well, as, as soon as um, the chap at Notts County was dismissed, Harry Kuehl straight away was the favourite for that job from, from pretty much nowhere. Like he was with Charlton last year as well. Um, and what's really upsetting is he went to speak to Charlton and, and, and missed two training sessions to go and... Not to Charlton, sorry, to go and speak to Notts County. He missed two training sessions to go to Notts County and have a chat with them. At that point, the position is untenable at Crawley. You, you can't come back from speaking to them, missing training sessions, and come back and be manager. From that point onwards, I think everybody said, right, you're, you're off, you idiot. 
You, you cannot <laughs> do that. Crawley gave him a chance in football management in England. Um, coming from the Watford under under twenty threes, wasn't it? Um, and it's just it just feels like that's been thrown back in Crawley's face. And it even it took three days before he said thanks to Crawley. And that was just under pressure. It did from, seem a little bit forced. It, it was absolutely it? ridiculous. And playing devil's advocate, I completely get it. He's not from Crawley. He's never played for Crawley. Crawley was always always going to be a stepping stone. I get that completely. Don't you feel though that Crawley as a club have become a stepping stone? maybe once too often for managers yes. that have gone on to get bigger jobs since. Absolutely. But if you look at the stats as well, the average lifespan for a manager in the Football League, it's something between 18 and 20 months. He'd almost served that time. It was always going to be a stepping stone. That's how it turned out. We can't really be surprised. He came in with these lines when he joined that I want to take Crawley to the Championship of the Premier League. Just ridiculous things to and They're always going to come back to haunt him. I thought he was doing a good job. Am I sad to see him go? Absolutely not. Was I delighted when they lost 5-1 to Exeter? I was over the bloody moon. Um, you're you're stealing we'll some of my bits for, for so, the section coming up later But we'll come back on. onto that later. So Harry's gone. That era's over. We, we're not going to hang around on it because the lad's gone and we've got a, a new manager. Yes, and just just before we do, I just want to pick up on the fact that you just spoke about the sort of average tenure of a manager in the Football League. I've got some interesting stats. I've done some number crunching in the spreadsheet. I, got, I had a bit Go too on. much time on my hands. So, Crawley have had 10 man- managers, including interim bosses, since they've been in the Football League. 11 if you include Felipe and Jimmy. And that's during eight years. So that's 10 in eight years of the Football League. So that's already crazy in itself. The longest serving manager, Ewan? Have a guess. Are we including Steve Evans? Yeah, Steve Evans, because yeah. he did manage in the Football League, yeah. although he started before the Football League. Second, can I say, John Gregory had a good run, didn't he? According to my calculations, it's Richie Barker. Right, OK. But only by a couple of months, I think. OK. Um, so Steve Evans also has the best win percentage. That's 48%. Harry Cure, obviously, down in the 31s, I think he ended mm-hmm. on. Um, but the most shocking thing, average time in charge, if you include Evans into the, the, the number crunching, it's one year and one month. If you take Evans out, because he's obviously been there, what, four, four and a bit years. Yeah. Without Evans, it's eight and a half months. Ridiculous, isn't it? There's just a massive lack in consistency, I mean, I think, I think if, if, if you take out Sean O'Driscoll and you take out Dean Saunders, I think it then probably goes above probably, sort of yeah. about 15 months or so, but still a ridiculously short time. So Harry Cure, had he served his time? Yes, in the statistics. But it's still not a great way to leave a club. No, no. One, one year is not enough to impart proper change inside a club. But anyway, let's talk about the new man now who might be able to impart some, some decent change in Crawley. Well, like every good Crawley Town fan, as soon as I find out, I went on Wikipedia and tried to find out who the hell he was. It, it, it seems on the face of it another completely left field appointment by Crawley. Um from where they get these people, I've I've no idea. Well, apparently they had over eighty applicants for this role, which in itself I'm really surprised at. Yeah. For for a League Two Crawley, I mean, I suppose a fair amount of them may have been foreign because the English Football League is seen as a massive thing for foreign people to come to anyway. And again, we've said it already. It, a lot of people are going to see it as a stepping stone. Nobody goes into management dreaming of managing. Crawley in League Two, do they? It's a no. stepping stone. You want to get the Championship, Premier League, etc., etc. So the stats on on Cioffi, 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 got it confirmed. Yep, we have it confirmed. Is that he signed a three-year contract? Um, he was formerly a player, a defensive player, uh, in Italy's Serie B, 
for 11 different clubs with nearly 400 appearances. He's been coaching since 2010 and had a number of foreign appointments in Australia and uh, the, the Middle East, I think. Um, most of those have not been head, co head coach roles, so they've been sort of assistant managers, first team coach sort of thing. Obviously, the big the big name here is Gianfranco Zola. He was a first team coach for him, so that's always... That, that didn't go too well. But I suppose it's good that he's been able to work with such a man. And are we getting him on the cheap? I assume so. Just going back to Harry Kewell quickly, if the numbers are correct, if we got 400 grand for Harry Kewell, that is an absolute result. And surely I haven't you, heard you, about that, actually. Yeah, yeah, apparently the, the, uh, the, to the fee off. to cancel the contract was 400 grand. That That's completely unconfirmed, but it, that was the, the number doing the rounds. And that's an absolute result. Um, obviously, some of that money has to go on uh, the fees for Chioffi, but there's some money in the bank there for him to play with hopefully hopefully yes yes well what were your initial thoughts on him when he was revealed first of all i thought who is he i googled him i still thought who is he <laughs> um and then it's a, it's a really odd one i think everybody's still in the mind he hasn't taken a game yet so we don't know too much at all all speculation really the first thing you do is look through his managerial record there isn't much of it. And even the stuff that he has managed, you can't really go into the data and the facts because it was these Serie B teams and et cetera, et cetera. The only thing you've got stone cold information on is um, the, the managerial tenure at, at um, Birmingham under, under Zola, which is a, is a good name to attach yourself to. Uh, but again, that tenure didn't go fantastically well. And it just seems, it, it, all of our sort of appointments just seem like gambles. And one of them's got to pay off. I, I was just about to say, hopefully something's going to pay off. I, I completely agree that. But when I saw him at Lincoln, I'll be completely honest, he looked a little bit kind of nervous. And, and I've seen the interview he did after taking his first training session on the Crawley website. And he just seemed a little bit nervous. To very, it. very short answers. And I don't know whether that's because he's predominantly speaks Italian and maybe doesn't have good English. I think his English was... was He can absolutely get by. Of course he can. God, if we'd signed a manager with a foreign language then that would be an absolute I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to be honest but it would just be ridiculous again but it's, English seems to be okay we just have to wait and see I mean you, you, we could talk about it all night but we just have to wait and see the one really interesting thing I find is and again this will come back, come up in Lincoln as Jimmy and Felipe won away at Lincoln what a, what a way to come in I mean, he, he's come in to steady the ship and improve things. We've just won away at the league leaders. You must be thinking, God, I have to improve on this. Yeah, and I, I don't think we can emphasise this anymore. I think, personally, I think Felipe and Jimmy have done a fantastic job at stabilising the club through these three games that could have been so rocky for Crawley. And we'll speak about Jimmy and his injury coming up. I really, really hope he's in the dugout somewhere behind Gabby. Yes, very much so. And so, well, you talked about the different interviews that... Um, Cheofi has done for the club so far he's spoken about what his team wants to look like he's mentioned the words patient aggressive persistent all fairly similar I think to Harry Kill. he doesn't really give much away but I think what will be interesting to see is how he goes about employing those characteristics does he pass the ball back want the ball passed back to the goalkeeper does he want to do wing play does he want to do predominantly crossing or is he going to focus upon getting results in this league as opposed to supposedly playing attractive football? What I think will be interesting is Harry Kewell came in and Harry Kewell was a winger. And we just played winger football. Everything was down the wings. Chioffi... Are we going to play defensive football? Chioffi is a defender. Um, so how he implements that into the Crawley game, we'll wait and see. How he's going to set up his team, I've no idea. In the interview after the first training session, he said he had a very good idea of how he's going to set his team up on Saturday. We'll have to wait and see. 
Well, the proof is in the pudding and that, that will be proven, hopefully, against Morecambe this coming Saturday. And finally, just to end this bit, something I've noticed from photos is that he's an absolute towering bloke. And I looked it up. He's six foot six. And do you know what? One of the funniest comments I saw on Twitter was, I forget who um, said it, so forgive me. He does look like Pierre off the Inventories. <laughs> and he seemed to have coined the old thumbs up. Yeah. It's, it's happened in more than one photo already. <laughs> and a few of the fans have taken on to it as well. I saw a few thumbs up from Excellent. him too. Well, with the match reviews, technically we have to start all the way back when Crawley played Oldham. It feels like a long time. It does. So we're we're probably not going to dwell on this too much. It's back on the 1st of September because everyone's seen the result. But if you haven't, Oldham beat Crawley 2-1. It wasn't really that scrappy a game compared to recent games that surrounded that. But Reds went behind, then they equalised through Bullman. Palmer missed a penalty with Sam Surridge scoring an 89th minute winner. So I think that's pretty much all to really say about that game. Let's move on. So... The next game after that one was in the English Football League trophy against Spurs under 21. The Checker Trade trophy. Yeah, sponsor, yeah, sponsorship name, Checker Trade trophy. Not many real chances stood out for me in that match. I, as far as I can remember thinking about it now, first half, you could probably say nothing happened. Was it, I, I wasn't at the game, you know. Was it a weakened team or? For Reds. Uh, yeah, it was, well, I wouldn't say weakened, but it, there were not, people who are regularly start, people like Joe McNerney started, although I, w- I was going to go on to say this, that a lot of Crawley fans who I spoke to sort of midway through the game were actually very pleased with Joe McNerney's inclusion, very pleased of, of how he played, in fact. And a few of the comments in, in the post-match interview from some of the other people, some of the other press, sorry, were asking whether Joe McNerney would get a look into the team now because of how well he played. And so I think he's done himself credit there. Felipe also was pleased of how well he played too, and that he hopefully might get a look in from the new manager. So there were some good performances from players who usually don't start, um, but in terms of the game, it was fairly flat. Spurs went ahead. Crawley, I mean, I, I myself felt that, you know, oh, here we go again, under-21 team beating us at home. And then Crawley, I, I guess it was a mixture of the fact that the under-21s were tiring a little, the fact that they switched off a little for this free kick as well, but an absolute peach of a delivery into the penalty area and N'Gala Bonds literally had it on a plate to tuck into the back of the net and he did so to get his first goal on his home debut. So that was always great to see. And then the penalty shootout, obviously, in the Football League trophy, if the game ends in a draw, each team gets a point and then they play for an added point by going straight to penalties. And I think it's the coolest ever penalty shootout I've ever ever watched. Coolest as in... Calm players, not calm. Cool as in best. No, no, no. It's definitely calmness. And it wasn't cockiness either. But the players who were walking up to the spot, clearly, I feel, well, they looked like they knew what they were doing before they t- took it. And Is that a case of them not particularly, I'm not going to say they don't care, but because, let's be honest, it's a check trade trophy, playing under Spurs under 23s. If it was the final of the FA Cup, completely different. Is it because they don't really feel there's that much That's on m- it? That is actually a fair point. And I did discuss this with one of the other press guys as well afterwards. I was like, I feel in a way that both teams are going into that penalty shootout not caring if mm-hmm. they won or lost. Yeah. So that might have had a, an indication upon that as well. Well, Crawley sits second in the group, in the Group A Southern Division on two points. Sportsman's beat Gillingham 4-0, so they're top on three points. And I'm still intrigued to see the importance, if any, that Crawley put on this competition, especially with the new manager coming in. Does he prioritise this? Because arguably this is Crawley's best chance of 
gaining silverware that is it something that they want to pursue. Don't, don't forget the Sussex Senior Cup. <laughs> That's a good chance. Third, third final in a row, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Come on. Um, one thing I was really impressed with, the attendance. 1,400 for the Checker Trade Trophy. That's got to be a record for Crawley. And going on to the next game, Lincoln, yeah, you watched this, didn't you? I did. I watched it on iFollow. I paid £10. How was your experience? It was a very good experience. It, it, I'll be honest, it was 85 minutes great, the experience, and there was five minutes where there was a bit of crackling, there was a bit of interruption. Did it have commentary as well? Yeah, full commentary, yeah. You know, oh, nice. Yeah, Gary that does the commentary at Crawley, it's all live commentary, and it was absolutely in sync as well. You sometimes think, oh, if they're matching up the commentary to the audio... All the, all the pictures, it can be out of single, but it was absolutely spot on. And fantastic commentary from Gary as well. Really, really impressive stuff. So first of all, before the game, I heard there was terrible travel. And I, I didn't go to, I, I really did think about it. I'm going to go to Forest Green. This is exciting news as well. I'm going to Forest Green. But five hours. And I think I, I saw some tweets from the official club Twitter account and some from GH coaches and things. And they just nightmare on the roads. I think they had been on the roads five hours. The the media team and they were still about an hour and a half away. Oh, an wow. absolute nightmare. And uh, Chioffi was meant to go and see the fans before the game, but because of that, they arrived late and had to see them after the game. Anyway, first of all, Palmer penalty in the first minute that wasn't given. I th- I, I genuinely thought it was a penalty. If that was in the 88th minute, it's a penalty. If it's in the 50th minute, it's a penalty. Is this where the cross came into the penalty area and he dived sort of towards the No, 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 that was the missed goal. No, in, right, in right. The, inside the first minute, he, he grabbed the ball, ran into the box and was taken down. Right. And I genuinely thought it... I, I watched it a couple of times because on the eye follow, the nice thing is you can rewind it and watch it again and again. I did think it was a penalty. Very early on for the ref to give it though. So, you know, not too surprised. Ninth minute, this is the one you're talking about. A young cross from the right-hand side. And I, I'm not sure what Palmer was doing. He sort of fell over it. It's like he was halfway in his mind. He was, shall I head this? Like, shall I get low and head this? Or um, shall I kick this with my left foot or my right foot? He didn't really know what to do. He sort of fell over the ball from about two yards out. Um, and, you know, later on, it doesn't really matter in the, in, in the long run after 90 minutes. But it was just, a, it was not what you'd expect of Palmer. And just going back to Young there for the cross. I said in episode two, I, I really like Lewis Young. And obviously with Jimmy Smith not there, they had a shuffle around and, he, and he's back in the first team. I was really happy with that. And for the first 30 minutes, I thought he was great. Um, he, he's not the best crosser in the world, but he still gets them in there, makes some use of himself. He's got a good work rate as well, I think. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And, and come on to that, Kamara as well. He had a couple of good chances. I can't wait till he hits the back of the net properly. Um, I'm not sure if he's been scratched off that non-goal that he had against um, Berry that wasn't his. But um, I think when he gets one, he will start scoring. Again, he's lo- he's looking like a first-team player now. Last season, he's the kind of guy you brought on in 18 minutes just to see what he can do for the last 10. But now he's starting games, and he feel- look he looks comfortable starting games as well, which is really exciting. I thought throughout the entire first half... If you hadn't, if you didn't hadn't seen the league table, you would not know who was top of the league and who was 14th. It was completely 50-50. And a massive reason for that is there's none of this just constant down the wings. They were playing it through every single passage. It was through the centre, down the channels and on the wings as well. But they were just mixing it up. So if Lincoln thought we were going to go there and play Harold Cure's football, they were strongly mistaken. And I think that shook them up a little bit. The back four. Look, sorry, Connolly looked good again. He had, he had a great game, Connolly. Bonds and Gala, he's an absolute unit, that guy. He reminds me a little bit of um, Claude Davis, but Bonds can actually play football. And a bit yeah. of Pablo Mills as well, maybe. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, good shape, that. Yeah, both of those as well. Because they're very both, both strong players, weren't they? Yeah, and the back four, for the first time this season, looks solid. And Morris never really looked under pressure, as he has done in a few games before. Akindi... 
kept totally part with the first 45 minutes. Don't really recall him having many touches or many influences whatsoever. Um, similar to his Crawley days? Uh, yeah, very similar. Yeah. <laughs> no disrespect, of course. Yeah. Oh, God, no, no disrespect. Um, and Angala, as well as being an absolute unit at the back, it was him that got the flick on from Moraes's, um cross in. It was his flick on that eventually flicked it onto the chap that knocked it in the back of the net, um, which I exclusively recorded and sent out in a tweet. I think it was the first person to post that as a goal, so that was quite exciting. So first half, Reds on top all the way through. And do you know what? I, I, the attendance was 8,000 with 81 from Crawley. And Crawley have always been like this. They, they play, they've had some poor games at home to lower league teams, but then they go away to the bigger crates and the bigger clubs and they always pull off some, some performances. They always rise to the occasion at these bigger away games. They've done it for years. Um, and it's an interesting one. You just, I just wish they'd use this as a momentum builder and bring it home as well. And hopefully that does happen. Do you think it's a downer playing against a smaller crowd at home, even though you are playing at home because of the atmosphere or yeah, lack of atmosphere? I, no, yeah, I think it is. Yeah, absolutely. When the crowd at home at Crawley get behind Crawley, it's a brilliant atmosphere. But I think too often for my liking... You can hear a pin drop sometimes. Things start to go wrong for five, ten minutes and it goes very quiet. And it's it's almost, it should be the crowd getting behind the team to lift them up. But sometimes we have, we wait for the team to do something to lift us. Then we get excited and push them up even further. Yeah, it's certainly nothing compared to the Blue Square Premier days when uh, I was in the, the, the terrace stand behind the goal. It was rocking, packed. Yeah. Genuinely, I just enjoy coming to games just for the, just for the singing. Good. <laughs> Well, uh, we, all, we, we all heard you as well. We're going to get back onto that. Um, second half, chance on 52 minutes for Lincoln. A solid defending by Frankham. Again, just looking great at the back all the way through. Now, this is the one thing that I can't understand. I can't really get my head around yet. Um, Lincoln, it was all them in the second half, which they're top of the league. They're, they're unbeaten. It's not, you didn't expect Crawley to be on top for 90 minutes. But the real weird thing is, they went down to 10 men. And they looked even better. It reminded me of Swindon. When Swindon went to 10 and 9, Crawley, Crawley looked like the team that are down to 10 or 9. We just can't seem to play against... I know, I know you don't practice in training to play against 9 or 10 men. But it's like, it's almost... There seems to be a feeling, oh my God, they're down to 10. We really need to do something here. And it's almost like a little bit panicky. And it happened against Swindon, happened against Lincoln. They went down to 10 and all of a sudden, we were on the back foot. Not Lincoln. It's, it's, I'm not sure if you kind of agree with that, looking at Swindon. Yeah, but it's I a funny observation. I think so. And people sometimes will make the comments, and I see where they're coming from, that when a team goes down to fewer players, they then sit back in two banks of four and close up a space that would have usually yeah. been there. But Lincoln even sort of went on the attack, and they were all over us until about the 80th minute, when down to 10 men, they, I think they started to just slightly run out of steam. And um, it looked more like we might get a second as opposed to them scoring. And then 88th minute, Lewis, Lewis Young. Um, again, down the wings and just cutting inside is great. But the, when he gets to the 18-yard box or inside it, it's like he's, he's in completely unknown territory. He can get close to it. Once he's in, his little head goes. He makes some really bad decisions. He can go down the wing. Get it's because he's run so far. Yeah, he's, 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 he's got all that away. He's like, oh, God, what do I do now? I'm not really sure. And uh, he had a great chance on 80. I'd love him to put it away. But um, I wouldn't be surprised. He, he's going to get more goals for Crawley, but I think they're all going to be from outside the box because he, he just sort of head seems to go a little bit once he gets inside. And then for the last five minutes, Lincoln... I think they had five strikers at some point. 
um, just throwing everything at Crawley still again with 10 men. And one thing that made me laugh, when Nathaniel George got taken off, I think it was the 92nd minute, and where they found six minutes of added time from, I have absolutely no idea. There was one red card and no goals, but six minutes of added time, which Crawley had to soak up and they did do well. The one thing that made me laugh, when Nathaniel George got substituted in the 92nd minute, it took him about two minutes to get off the pitch. And if, if the team against you is doing that, you're absolutely furious. But when it's your team, <laughs> it is hilarious. And I was, I was willing him to go slower and slower and slower. And uh, then McNerney came on for the last couple of minutes and he sprinted straight into the box. First touch was a header out the box as well. And it's the guys like Lewis Young and like McNerney who have now got, I don't want to call it a second chance for Lewis Young because he only missed, a, didn't start in about two games. But it's his chance when a manager comes in, it's fresh eyes. Everybody is back to level and everybody's got a chance to get back in the team again. Um, I'm not sure what happens to, to um, Greg O'Cox. I thought in the first couple of games he was great. I hope he gets a chance under Chioffi as well. Um, going back to I follow again, £10, very well spent. If it's going to be nearer, I wouldn't do it. I, just, I couldn't get to the Lincoln game. So I thought, right, I can either just listen to it on the radio or I can spend £10. Less, just under half of that goes to the club. So I've given the club some money and I've watched a, a great, great Crawley game as well. Yeah, and just to briefly pick up on your point about talking about defenders, I think it's great to see some competition for the defensive mm. places and we might actually be seeing a, a good defensive partnership yeah. being built here between Ngala and uh, Mark Connolly or yeah. even Joe McNerney when he can push one absolutely. of the players out of the way. Yeah, looks absolutely solid. Again, Connolly had a fantastic game. I think he was I think he was the um fan the Crawley fans man of the match and um, absolutely well deserved as well. So just a couple of final thoughts on that, because I know we've whizzed through that Lincoln uh, review. What put the icing on the cake for me, Jonathan, was after we beat the league leaders, looking on BBC News and seeing that Notts County had lost 5-1, with no, with Cure being sent to the stand. Yeah, it's not a good first day in the office, is it? Not at all. Well, it was his second day, really, because, um, oh no, he was he was watching from the stands when they lost in the Checkered Trophy as well, I think. But the, the nice thing to come out of that game, Enzo Baldwin scored an absolute screamer, which was really, really good. Is there something fishy also about that, that Enjo Baldwin has ended up in the same club as Harry Kewell? And also, is it Rob Milsom as well, who was at Crawley, has now joined he, he Harry at Crawley for about there as well. six weeks. Because he's loaned to them now, even though he's still technically got a oh, point, I, I think, is what I've oh, seen online. I didn't know that, I didn't know that. Um, and again, just going back to it, how much pressure did that put on Chioffi? With no manager, essentially, we've just beaten the league leaders, and now he comes in to improve things. It, it doesn't get much better than it does at the moment. Crawley Town, three points off automatic promotion now. I know it's early in the season, but when you look at it like that, we're one win off the automatic promotion. It's ridiculous. So again, just to build momentum on the back of this game, we've got a couple of home games in the next three coming up. If you can win two of those three, then you're in the top half of the table, top 10, and you can start getting a little bit excited. So, Jonathan, we've pretty much whizzed through three match reviews there. Let's have a quick look at the next couple of games coming up home and away. Yes, well, coming up this Saturday at the Broadfield Stadium, more can make the visit. If you look at the league and if you plot it on a map, we're just so far away from everybody. <laughs> we need to move higher up where we can meet some more southern teams. But looking at their past eight meetings between the two clubs, last season, Reds were unbeaten against them. They won 1-0 away and drew one all at home. Although in the 1-0 victory, it was an own goal that handed them the win. Reds have only recorded two wins against Morecambe in their eight meetings. So therefore, it's 25% of their meetings end in a draw. So historically, the stats are saying more likely for a draw or a loss than a win. 
However, recent form says otherwise. Morecambe have lost six out of their last, or of their total seven games that they've played this season. Most re- uh, the, the only game that they did win was 1-0 against Northampton. Most recently, they've lost 1-0 at home to a 10-man Swindon. They've also lost to Carlisle in the Football League trophy and Bury in their league game before that. Both of those games were lost 3-2. And so Morecambe come into this game off the back of three straight losses. Crawley, their form is kind of slightly more erratic, but they do come into this game off the back of a win, of course, which we've just spoken about. And Crawley are currently seven points above Morecambe uh, from the start of the season. You would expect to see a red win. On a, on a whole, you'd say, yeah, it looks like a fantastic opportunity for Crawley to get two wins in a row, start moving up the table. But as we discussed previously, we tend to go to these big away games and do very well, come back home to teams that are below us and not really perform. Hopefully with a new manager, the players trying to impress, let's just hope that we can get on some sort of run. And then after Morecambe, we go away to Forest Green Rovers, Jonathan. Yes, Forest Green Rovers. We won't touch upon this too much because it is pretty much two weeks away. But essentially, there's been two previous meetings in the Football League uh, last season when Forest Green came up from the conference. Crawley drew one all, and they also lost 2-0 away to them. So I would say they're probably the slightly harder of the two teams. They're unbeaten in the league. Yeah. Played seven, one, two, drawn five, unbeaten in the league. And they're doing the, really well, considering that they've just been well promoted last season from the conference as well. And the silly thing is, I mean, there's seven places above Crawley in the table, but one point. It's the, the, the table's really sort of misleading at the moment. Crawley in 15th are three points behind Exeter in third. So I wouldn't look at too much of the table. It was all going to come down to the form book, isn't it? But uh, unbeaten, that's quite formidable. Well, Jonathan, as you know, this is where the Sergio interview was supposed to be. However, we've just had an absolutely fantastic 35-minute chat with him. And it's flown, did, but it did not feel like 35 minutes. No, and we, we think it's worthy of its own little podcast section. So we're going to edit that separately, put it out as a separate sort of uh, episode 3.1, put it next to it. But my gosh, have a listen. Some absolute exclusive, some great little stories in there. What an absolute pleasure to speak to Sergio that was. Yeah, and thank you also to the people who have replied to us on Twitter to give us some questions because I think there were some really good questions and Sergio really had uh, trouble answering some of them yeah. in, a, in a good way though. Yeah, there's one question regarding Steve Evans and he handled it very, very well. So um, have a little listen to episode 3.1, the Sergio Torres interview. And now it's time for Broadfield Buzz. This is what's happening not on the pitch, but of course around the club to do with Crawley Town, wherever we feel it fits in. Now, there's a couple of things going on. Ollie Palmer was nominated for two separate Player of the Month awards for August, wasn't he, Jonathan? It was both the EFL official one and also the fans, fans one. Unfortunately, we know now he didn't win either of them. But um, what a fantastic thing for him. Five goals five goals in five games. It was um, always going to be likely that he was nominated. And it's just always nice to see a Crawley player nominated for something. It doesn't happen that often. And you don't usually expect it, especially with all the other bigger profile clubs in, in the league as well. Also, someone else who got an award, I guess you can call it to some extent, Felipe Marais. He made the EFL Team of the Week for this week. Um, although I did read on the EFL official website that one of the, one of the reasons for him to be given that place in the team was for his goal against Lincoln. Although I've done extensive oh, research and it's gone down as an own goal, even though right. it was his 
cross that went in. Well, look, don't tell anyone. No. Just keep it quiet. I think he deserves it anyway for the fab job he's done alongside Jimmy as a manager too. Absolutely. That's a couple of good bits of news. There's some really, really kind of sad news, frustrating news. It's Jimmy Smith's injury, uh, ruptured his ACL, which is that six months on the sideline. He's just come back from injury over the summer, playing a couple of games, playing well, scoring. It's it's heartbreaking for him. It's heartbreaking for the fans as well. It's, because... it's probably the footballers most hated three letters of the alphabet ACL. Yeah, it's um, it, it's really heartbreaking. We're really upset for Jimmy. But the one possible positive to come out of it, he's done so well on the sidelines in the three games that he's been in the um, in the box that I really really hope that he can get in the box behind uh, Gabby. Chioffi and, and and work on that being part of the management team. He certainly knows the team better than Chioffi just because of the, purely the, the length of time he's been there for. So I think if anything, he'll act as a useful aid for him. Let's hope so. And you had a couple of other things, didn't you, Jonathan? Yeah. So looking at social media, um, Mark Connolly, I think, put out an absolutely fantastic tweet today uh, that you, you and retweeted on our Twitter page. It uh, is basically for mental health awareness, suicide prevention. And his tweet says... Always remember, you are braver than you believe, stronger than you seem and smarter than you think. Speaking about situations, good or bad, can seem so hard, but trust me, it can change your life for the better. I just thought that was very nice. It's brilliant, yeah, yeah. Big fan of Mark Connolly. Um, clearly things that have gone on in his life that isn't just all the, the high-rolling, fantastic things that happens to a, a professional footballer, and he's speaking out about those, so um, bravo to him. Very, really great to see. And also, another tweet that uh, kind of caught my eye was, was Gary Alexander, if you remember him. Of course I remember him. Yeah. What, what, what was he said? Well, it's about his son, Mini, Mini Alexander. And uh, basically, he was tweeting, uh, so happy right now to see George, who is his son, score the winner for Millwall under 23s. So that's Fantastic. always nice to see an um, offspring of an ex-Cawley player doing well. He scored is. a hat-trick at previous game to that as well. And uh, maybe we'll see him at the Broadfield Stadium one day. <laughs> wishful, eh? Wishful. Um, and also, just a. I guess tag on to your player news. Romain Vincelot also out for six weeks after picking up an ankle injury. But also, again, just trying to find a positive. There's a strength in depth now at Crawley. I don't think, obviously, it's, it's terrible for him to be missing, but there's players that can come in to fill that role. That's the one thing we haven't seen for a long time at Crawley. Positive. Josh Payne is back for this weekend's game. Hooray! Because he's served his three-match red card ban. Fantastic. So he's done that. We'll Excellent. hopefully see him against Morecambe, maybe, if he's made the team. Well, Ewan, it's come to the fantastic fun moment of the podcast where your acclaimed game gets to be played again because you've got positive reviews, unlike mine. Well, I don't think I've got positive reviews. I got no reviews, (laughs) which is better than bad reviews. So we're going to do it one more time. And last, last episode, Jonathan, you got three out of five. Um, I honestly don't think I will do better this game because those questions happen to be the questions that I knew the answers to based upon my limited I you know guess, the answer. You knowledge. know the answer, don't you? So we've got five questions. I'm going to ask them as quick as possible. I gave you a time limit of 30 seconds last time, but it takes me long with that to ask the question. So ignore it. We'll just go as quick as possible. So Jonathan, are you ready? Yes. Let's find out. So question one, after 48 years at Tainmead, in what year did the Reds move into the Broadfield Stadium? 1997. In 2012, who became the first ever full international whilst representing Crawley? 2012. Uh, Full international whilst representing Crawley. 
it's, you don't know the no, answer. It's going to be. It's not going to be. Let's move on. Crawley got relegated from League One in the 2014. Was it John season. T. Smith? No. Nope. Oh. Crawley got relegated from League One in the 2014-15 season. Name one other team that came down with us. Um, Barry. No. One more guess. <laughs> it's it's relevant. Morecambe. No. Right. Uh, Which former Chelsea striker was the club physio during the second half of Steve Evans' reign? I do know this. I do. <laughs> You're not very ready, Jonathan. No, I'm not. Hopefully the listeners are more ready than you. So, club physio. Former oh. Chelsea striker. Club physio during the second half of Steve Evans' reign. You're taking too long. Fifth question. Final <laughs> question. Former Reds manager John Gregory recently won the Indian Super League with which club? Oh, my goodness, this is terrible. Not a clue. Right, let's go through the answers, because that was rubbish, Jonathan. <laughs> Broadfield Stadium moved in. Correct, 1997. Yeah, do you know why I remember that? This is going to make you feel really old. Go on. I was born that year. Oh, my God. I was a teenager. <laughs> Bloody hell. In 2012, who became the first ever full international Welsh representing Crawley? Big Claude Mann. Oh, Big Claude. Jamaica. Yeah, Big Claude Davis. I thought it'd be a, one of the, a, a foreign team not in the British Isles, basically. Crawley got relegated in League One. Who came down with us? One of the teams was... Lincoln? No, Notts County. Oh, that's why. I, 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 I try and give clues. That the, the answers are kind of in the show at some point, because we mentioned Claude Davis earlier yes, as well. Yes, we did. And we, we did. talked about Notts County. The other two were later Dorian and Yeovil, former Chelsea striker, club physio, Steve Evans' reign. I'm going to kick myself when I hear this. Mark Steen. Oh, There yes, you go. Of course. And I remember him. He was so short. He was, yeah, yeah. And uh, John Gregory recently won the Indian Super League with Chennai NFC. The, the only... The Indi- oh, the Indian Super... I was just thinking of Chinese teams. I don't know why. Stop making forget, excuses. Forget me. One out of five. I didn't Rubbish. know the... Yes. Are you ready? No, you're not. No, I'm not ready. Please forgive me. And our penultimate section that this is Highlights of the Week. Jonathan, you go first. What was your highlight of the week? Or, well, or since the last episode? It's it's quite relevant, quite recent. Che Offi, his release to the press. Bless him, it was his birthday as well. And Crawley, being the nice family club that they are, gave him a, a, ver- a very Crawley birthday cake. They did, and didn't they? It kind of took him by surprise. And I just loved watching him trying to slice that cake under the pressure of so many people watching him. He was like, how do you want me to cut this? Where do you want me to hold this? Who cuts a corner off a cake? When you're kind of, who cuts a corner off the cake? Do we take the bloody middleman? It's it's the pressure. It must have been the pressure. And then the photographer came over and was telling him to hold it down more. You could, you could tell he was certainly feeling the pressure in that moment. But bless him, it was so nice. And I, I think that probably made his day. All up from there, eh? Um, right, my highlight of the week. I'm sorry about this. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I've got to say, it's not as county losing 5-1. Harry Kewell's first game in charge. Sent off to the stands as well. And what made me laugh afterwards, this is his quote from after the game. I'm not happy. I'm frustrated because I knew what Exeter were going to bring. They changed their whole team up to suit how we play. Get a bloody plan B, you idiot. <laughs> to be fair, I'm not surprised. I'm, I'm, well, I'm surprised that he didn't say, oh, this is, just, this is just how football happens and we're going to play the same way next week and hopefully we'll, and we'll beat them. And we'll try again and we'll try again and we'll come back and try again. No, think of a plan B and stop sucking on lemons, you bitter old idiot. 
<laughs> wow, there's some, there's some, definitely some tensions that need to be uh, taken out of you. See, I'm done. I'm done. This is a safe space where we can talk <laughs> about it. It is advertised, safe space. So good to get it out of you there. And now we're calm again. Last section. This is added time. Last, so just a couple of things that we've not discussed and are, are coming up. Uh, first of all, the first one I mentioned is Forest Green away on the 22nd. Tickets are now on sale from the club. Prices go up by a quid on match day. The tickets are pretty good, I think. Most expensive ticket for covered seating, 21 quid. I thought that was really, really cheap. And under 11s go free at Forest Green. That's pretty good, so get actually. The tickets I thought I was really impressed with that. And um, as ever, GH coaches, they'll be doing travel to the game. Now, on a, on a slightly, obviously, most definitely sadder note, this game has been highlighted as the Jilly Bean Memorial game. The other game, um, of course, Jill Courtnell just drastically lost her life earlier in the year. So this is going to be a celebration of her life. It, the coach departs from the Broadfield at 9.30, 20 quid, as ever, gets your travel and your buffet, and just trying to make it the best day to remember. She was an avid fan, home and away, so um, a, a great, great way to uh, remember her. Yeah, very much so. And talking about uh, what's coming up next, we have a future booking, don't we, Ewan? What's that? A few, a few... Oh, yeah, of yeah, course, episode four. Right, we've spoken to Sergio. That is one end of the scale. Great Crawley player, Crawley legend, has gone on to do other great things as well. Now, we don't just want to speak to the, the players that you know all about. So in episode four, we're really, really chuffed to have on Ryan Richfond. Yeah. Which I hope, yeah. I, you, I think you'll all know who he is. He's, he's, he's the young lad, came through the academy. Um, he's part of an exclusive club, in fact. Not many people can say they've been part of the Crawley Town Academy. But he's going to give us a really great insight that I'm looking forward to, seeing the other side of things. So yeah. you've got yeah. like the Sergio side, go on to do great things, club legend. But there's also another side of things where it doesn't particularly go to plan. And he's also still very young as well, so maybe at the opposite side of the career. Yeah, and he's just—I think he's just finished uni, got his journalism degree as well, so he's coming into sort of sports journalism bits and pieces. So really, really looking forward to speaking to um, Ryan and just seeing seeing the other side of things. Yeah, very much so. I think that's pretty cool. And I've got one last thing just to finish on another another little high. Did you see or do you recognise the name Thomas Mortimer? I've heard of the name. Because he was in the news just the last week or so because he set himself a challenge to watch a game of football, 90 minutes, every single day for 365 days in a row. And he's just finished it this last week. And he was asked, why did you do it? And he didn't really have a good reason. He put out on Twitter, I'm going to try and watch a game every day for 365 days. And after about two weeks, he was too embarrassed to stop. That's the only reason he carried on. What a brilliant millennial excuse. The pressure of Twitter. Yeah, what a great excuse for somebody of our generation or this generation to say, oh, I put it on social media, then I, I couldn't not do it. <laughs> and he said he didn't even enjoy it. And he was up at, he was up at midnight watching games from the Peruvian equivalent of the Checker Trade Trophy so the, just were, to get his game in. Were they the live, live games? So not... They recorded. Were all, they were all 365 live games. A live game that, every day for a year. That's pretty impressive. I thought he was just watching replays of things that have happened. No, he watched a live wow. game. So he was watching things like the Indian League, the Peruvian League, the, the lower leagues in obscure countries just to get those games. And so fair play to him, quality. A job in journalism now. He's got so much experience. I, I think he's sick of football. <laughs> so that is our show. That's episode three all wrapped up again. There'll be an episode sort of 3.1 with the Sergio Torres interview. Have a listen to that. He's an absolutely fab bloke. We know he's a fab bloke, but his interview was absolutely fantastic. Some great answers, a few little insights as well. And of course, maybe a little exclusive of when we're going to be seeing the Unknown Torres' documentary. Yeah. And just before we do say goodbye, let us know if you are a listener that is outside of Crawley. 
because I'd, lo- I'd love to know how far this podcast is going if well if you're within the UK and outside of Crawley but also if you're outside the UK are we are we going further than I know our, what, I know one home... place it's going it's going to America because I know a long, young ad that listens called Sam Criticos in America so I know it's going over the pond at least but yeah we'd love to know where else it's going it's interesting. yeah and and we'll see where we'll take that in the future episodes but of course Leave us your comments for this episode. Leave us your, your likes, your reviews on, on the relevant platforms on SoundCloud or, or iTunes. It, it definitely helps us out to, to tailor what we do for you guys because this is ultimately uh, a fans podcast for the fans. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you again in a, in a week's or so time. Absolutely. Thank you very much. See you soon. Bye-bye.